That's a tough question. Do you want to take this one, Melody? <laughs> no. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to episode two of On Location, the real estate podcast where we talk about location as it relates to real estate. I'm Rob Lobb, your host, and with me is Melody Brown. Bonjour, Melody. Bonjour, tout le monde. Today we're going to talk about the many small improvements to make around the house before you sell. Them is going to be my favorite property. We then going to go and talk about the market update, Rob's favorite property, and then it's going to be the real advice, buying versus renting. Uh, buying versus renting, that's always one that's likely to stir some comments. Shall we get started? Here we go. And now it's time for a segment around the house. Buyer even see a house online before we see it in person. In this segment, we're going to give you the step to follow to help you sell your house fast and for more money. Exactly. So we tell clients this all the time. And these are things that you can do on your own to either improve the value of your house as people perceive it, or maybe make your life a little more enjoyable while you're living in it. So, Melody, you've kind of organized our steps that we normally recommend to people. And, and there are quite a few steps, so maybe you can take us through them one by one. I'll be happy to do so. Uh, the first one is considering the appeal. The first impressions are the most important, and they will make the buyer want to see more or less of it. We personally do photo shoot and websites, and we also post all of those on our social media. You're absolutely right. So not only the experience of what they're going to see in those photos, but the curbside impression as well. So uh, clean up that front yard, get that car that won't start out of the driveway, things like that. Right? Yeah, totally. You have to invest in small fixes. Uh, it would be better for you while you're living there. And it would be easier for the buyer to project themselves when they see your house. And it would be easier for you to pack out. It's true. As as they go through, and of course now is a little unusual time, we're instructing people not to touch things and all that, but typically they're going to open drawers and doors and they're going to see, oh, this handle came off when I opened the refrigerator. Mm -hmm. It's not a good feeling for a potential buyer, certainly not a good feeling for you while you're living there. So those nagging little fixes, just get them done now. And then if you do decide to sell down the road, it's one less thing to worry about. And the last advice we have for that part is ask your real estate agent what they can do. They sold a bunch of houses. You're not the first. You're certainly not the last. So they can help you out with tips. That's true. We've got lots of tips as we walk through a property typically. And we've also got recommendations on people who can help you with that if you're not handy. Step number two is declutter the home. Do a clean sweep on all the visible area and then tackle the behind doors thing because nothing is off limit for a curious buyer. Uh, again, yeah, it's true. People will look in the closets and, and they want to see space, believe it or not. They don't want to see all the stuff in the closet. We always recommend, for example, on shelves, bookshelves, closets, you want them about 50% full. Otherwise, it looks like, well, I think we get to your next step there. Yeah, exactly. It does look overload and people will think that they don't have enough space in the house and might not buy it just for that. Right. So declutter your home. And, you know, the longer 
I've lived in my place, the more things I've collected. and That's for sure. <laughs> it's time to maybe go through and do a little decluttering for my own sanity anyway. So a great <laughs> tip there and something that, that can always be done at any time. Yeah, even if you're not selling your house, it's time. <laughs> yeah, now I know your next idea is, is kind of more when you're actually ready to sell. When yes. you're at that point... Uh, where you're going to put it on the market, you're going to be showing it, whether it's in photographs or in person. And that's to, to depersonalize the space. Exactly. Uh, the new buyer needs to feel at home. So when you're selling, you can keep all your family picture to yourself and certain type of art that is too bold or offensive. So my advice is you can keep all your copy of the femme d'année uh, de le, du sur or de l'origine du monde. <laughs> and uh, for those like me who had to look that up, <laughs> Do you want, yeah, I, have, I should have said it in English too. Le déjeuner sur l'herbe is the, the lotion on grass. It's a mané. Uh, la femme d'année is a tasser, and uh, l'origine du monde is a coubre. It's the origin of the word. The femme d'année is the cursed woman. Those are old French uh, painter. I wanted to be super patriotic with my joke, I guess. <laughs> Additionally, it might not be offensive. You might just have that, you know, original Van Gogh. Well, <laughs> don't have great. that out either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Give it to yourself because you're going to get it uh, taken away from museum. <laughs> well, even if it's, even if it doesn't go anywhere, um, the, the best case scenario is is they're going to sit there spending a lot of time looking at the artwork instead of your home. Yeah. So the sum up here for this point is that you need to create a blank canvas for the buyer to paint his new life, not yours. It's a great way to describe it. Point number four is repaint the wall to neutral tone. Not everyone is into red vermillon. Paint your wall with neutral color that are still warm, like beige, nude, terracotta, like grays. I choose a light color, like white, to make the room way more spacious. That's true. Light colors always make a room feel bigger. And while a nice strong red color may be a fun accent in the dining room for you, we don't know if the buyer, maybe they don't like red. So keeping it more neutral, similar to depersonalizing the space like we already mm -hmm. talked about, just gives them less to object to and more to love. Point number five, touch up any scuff mark. Pay special attention to scrubbing, touching up baseboard, wall, and door to make the house as good as new. If it's all fixed, it looks like it's super easy to, uh, it's an easy maintenance property. Fix it or it becomes a bunch of small problems that can be overwhelming for you or the buyer. Well, that's a good point because when you look at the walls and you see scuff marks and stuff like that, it looks like the home isn't well cared for. And a potential buyer is going to look into that and they're going to say, well, maybe there's something wrong with the plumbing or something that I can't see. Yeah. By fixing the things they can see, it's going to look well cared for. A little elbow grease, a little, a little extra paint, a little TLC can go a long way. Yeah. Point number six is fix any loose handle or missing light bulb. It's a small detail, but it's really important, and it does relate to our previous point. No one wants to work after having a long day moving in. Oftentimes, if you 
walk around, you could find at least one light bulb out. Maybe it's in the garage or that crawl space under the stairs, but there's probably at least one bulb somewhere that's out and you wouldn't mind it being fixed either. Agreed. The buyer will think that something else is broken, that you're hiding a bigger broken thing. When selling, you don't want to leave any doubt in the buyer's mind that you're not taking care of the house or not. And that's true. And, and you know, a light bulb being out is just a light bulb. But in someone walking through in their mind, that might seem like, oh, maybe the switch doesn't work or, you know, it becomes an unknown. And those unknowns are always, like you said, what really adds that doubt. And we don't want any doubt. We want to get you the best price. Exactly. Point number seven is add some plants. Humans see more shade of green than any other animal. So green is really good for you. Plant make it more wel welcoming. But if you're not into plant, you can just put a fruit bowl in the kitchen or a nice bouquet in the dining room. That's a great idea. And if you're not going to be there for a while, here's a tip. Use fake fruit because the real <laughs> stuff's just going to attract flies and look a little weird after a while. And they do look really real. Really, really real. <laughs> When I was in staging, we did actually remove a fake bowl of apples, and one of the apples had uh, teeth <laughs> marks in it. So they do, they do look super real. The I remember one of the first open house, um, the first uh, house we went and see was a uh, Evelyn two six two Evelyn, and there was those uh, fake fruit, and I thought they were real. Like those avocado looked like they were real. <laughs> yeah, they've come a long way. <laughs> Point number eight is conduct a smell test. You get used to the odor that is in your house, but nobody else's does. Personally, mine smell like vanilla and hibiscus, but the smell of your house can be annoying to another person. So when you're selling your house, we will advise you to maybe put on a candle to make an ambience and change the smell, but not like an overpowering candle because some scents uh, might buy fire and the buyer won't like it. What about pets? I mean, is that a factor with a smell test? I mean, I, you know, I love dogs as much as anyone else, but I've noticed they tend to have an odor sometimes. You're totally right. If you have pets, it's really important to clean before an open house. As some people could be allergic to them. Some might be afraid and over might find it unhygienic. So what are some other areas that could smell around the house in addition to... Fido, who we love, even if he or she <laughs> smells. <laughs> what, what other areas should we look for? We would advise you to clean the pipe, like uh, the garbage disposal. All of those can uh, have some smell in them. So clean mm -hmm. it with bicarbonate or any product you can find to clean drains. They actually make those little balls that you put in the garbage disposal. Have you seen uh -huh. them? I forget no. what they're called, but it's, it's a little you know, burst of freshness. So you kind of put that in and run the water and oh, seems to give it a nice smell. Yeah, that's nice because I put Drano, but it doesn't smell good. Like, you know, it's supposed to take away all the bacteria and all, but it doesn't smell like a flowers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> smells like a chemicals. <laughs> So well, you yeah, can also you... do uh, vinegar and... Yeah, white vinegar, bicarbonate, yeah. yeah. But still, doesn't smell the best. <laughs> so if you do have those uh, little uh, good smell bomb you put in the 
garbage disposal, maybe you should put the link on the, the podcast because I've never heard of them before. I think they're called Plink or something like that. Yeah, we can add that to the show notes. Sure. Let's go to point number nine, the second to last. We called it cling, cling, cling. <laughs> it's hard to picture yourself in a dirty home. So please clean it. You're going to have pictures that are going to be taken for promotion. Uh, so please schedule those pictures on the best cleaning day. That's a good tip. If, if you have cleaners that come on a regular basis, let your agent know if they're coming Wednesday morning, they can schedule photos for Wednesday afternoon and it makes it nice and easy. As Rob said, clean as much as possible because you never know when you're going to have a, a visit from the buyer. And remember to take special care with the bathroom. Make sure the tills are fine, the corners are fine, the shower, the floor shine, just so that the person who's going to see it uh, won't have any more doubt in their mind that this is the house we need to buy. That's an excellent point. And last but not least, point number 10, consider staging. If you already have a new home or you're able to rent a storage unit, please think about staging. It's their job. They know the way. With all the previous tips, we give you a very education, their expertise, their experience. They know how to make the house uh, be... Yeah, more appealing to the buyer. It's true. You know, the professional staging companies can help with any of the stuff we talked about above from telling you what to remove, what not, what to keep. They can work with your furniture or bring in all new furniture, depending on what your needs are. Sometimes it's easiest to just move all your stuff out and get on to your next place and not have to worry about moving after the home sells. So Lots of good things that come with staging. And in the future, we are going to have some stages on the podcast. going to talk a little bit more about that actual process, what you can expect, why it's different than what it might be like in the way you live in the home and how it can help you, just like all these tips, uh, get more money uh, and show a better home. Well, thanks, Melody. I think that's some great ideas. Certainly lots of work for everyone to go and do if they're thinking about selling it's a lot and uh some some tips in there just to kind of keep things up uh get ready just in case when the time comes you've got a shorter list to do exactly if you keep doing it all the time then it's easier to do it hey melody speaking of all these improvements and things to do around the house Gets me thinking about uh, what you were saying your favorite listing is, 1902 Webster Street? Yes, Rob. I choose 1902 Webster Street to be my favorite property for this podcast. It's a two-level building with 10 offices. There's the possibility to convert those offices into single-family house or duplex. There's a lot of storage and garage and space. Uh, it's close to Jeff in town, and you all know how much I love Jeff in town. Funny, Hannah. And it's also an amazing investment opportunity in the lower pack heights. What do you think, Rob? I agree. It could continue to be offices, or it could be converted to a single family, like you were mentioning, and like they've done up the block. It really looks like a single family. It's got a really cool backyard and a nice facade. And it's been in the same family for decades. So it's really the first time it's been on the market in a long time. A great opportunity for someone to make it into the home of their dreams. If someone wants more information, where can they go? They can go to the website that we made. So it's www.1902webster.com. 
If they want, they can also go to our YouTube channel where we will find the aerial slash drone video and they can visit, of course, our website www.brownsf.com. And now it's time for the market report. Thanks, Melody. With the pandemic and work from home continuing, the trends we saw developing over the last few months seem to be going on as well. Is that what you've noticed? Yeah, we also noticed um, people purchasing more vacation home because as they were working from home, so it was better to work next to the beach, right? That's a good point. A lot of people have thought about buying a vacation home, maybe put it off. Maybe this is a good opportunity to say, hey, why not? Why couldn't I be there? Uh, and that kind of doubles up what we're seeing with that trend to move to suburbia. Mm-hmm. Even though the suburbs are going up a bit, they're still generally less than what it might cost to buy something in a major market area. So, of course. So, yeah, so people are buying a vacation home, move out there. It's a good point. Yeah, they continue to move to the suburb as we say they leave the city because there's going to be more place for them in the suburb to have a garden, which is important when we all have to stay home. Yeah, the outdoor space and just generally going to get more might be an extra bedroom, might be bigger garage, which is good for more cars. And of course, at the same time, you just have a generally less dense area, right? I mean, it's that the buildings aren't on top of each other. And that all seems to be what people are looking for right now. Of course. More safety for you and your own family. Yeah, it's kind of a continued upgrade. So we are seeing clients here and elsewhere moving up, whether it be a rental or a purchase, they're looking to get a bigger space. If they had a one bedroom, now they want a two bedroom. If they didn't have a patio or an outdoor deck, now they want a space that has that feature. So even if they're not moving out of the city, they're still looking to get more. And we've certainly seen that a lot of a lot of the clients uh, early on and throughout the country, a lot of those trends. Yeah, and as you said, it's a really hot market with historically low interest and in mortgages. It's a good time to purchase or refinance. These lower rates are increasing the purchasing power of, of the typical home buyer that might be financing. Lower rate means a lower payment for the same amount borrowed, so they can actually borrow a little more and have what they would have paid at a higher interest rate. And now they can pay more for that home. So it's actually propping up the market. Yeah. We do have a lot of urban purchases. We see a strong demand for this property in like those premium locations. What I mean by that is we have a beautiful view, good amenities in hot neighborhood. Uh, however, we do see a decline in commercial property. It's true. And it's something to think about. If, if someone's looking to purchase, there could be some good opportunities there. Depending, you know, retail has been hit really hard. It was kind of weak prior to the pandemic, but mm-hmm. now it's really struggling. So it could be a good time to speculate on some commercial real estate, especially if you're an owner user. And also rental property value have decreased. Yeah, it's true. Rents are down here in San Francisco and in a lot of places. And what that means is that income property is going to be worth less because when you buy an income property, you're generally buying that future revenue stream. And so if that potential revenue is lower, it brings the value of the property down. You know, none of this is a permanent situation. So it could be a good time to buy, but you're going to have to be prepared 
to maybe deal with some vacancies and deal with carrying the property until such a time as things improve. But that's something to look for for those looking to purchase. And what do you think about out in the suburbs? I mean, prices are higher, but is it still a good opportunity for people there? Of course. Uh, it might be an excuse for them to get off the fence and finally do the move to the suburb. Buy something for them, and it's still going to be less in some market. That's true, right? Even if you're paying a little bit of a premium, it might be less than what it would cost to buy a Manhattan or another of course more desirable area. yeah desirable neighborhood well we'd certainly love to hear what our listeners think of the market what they're planning to do are they are you guys looking to move are you guys looking to stay put we'd love to hear your thoughts so reach out to us drop us an email at podcast at reonlocation.com we can't wait to have your answer Rob, it's your turn now. What is your favorite property for this podcast? You know, it's funny you mention it because I was just thinking about it while I'm sitting out here in the garden talking about maybe uh, 790 35th Avenue. Great idea. It's a really nice, fully renovated home in the outer Richmond, right near Golden Gate Park. And uh, they've gone through everything from the ground up, really. So it's got that modern floor plan, open floor plan. And uh, four beds, three and a half baths. I really like those property. There is a, a really nice living room with a fireplace. It seems really, you know, warm and cozy. The kitchen is really wonderful, super equipped, super modern. You have an island. Like, it's like I imagine myself cooking over there, baking, you know, all those French treats. <laughs> I feel like you imagine yourself cooking everywhere. That, that's true. That's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Some places are probably easier than others, but you're right. It's got that nice island, lots of counter space. It's just good also for breakfast, you know, like you all breakfast with your family on the island. And speaking of family, you can have a lot of people there because there's two sets of laundry, one on the upper floor with the bedrooms and one on the lower level where there's a guest bedroom and a family room or office. And that opens up to the out, uh, outdoor backyard. Yeah, I forgot about those two bathrooms that are really nice. Like that shower that looks like a hammam and you have a like, giant bath. I forgot about those. Yeah, they got the tub and the master. Yeah, And, and some views so of nice. the water all the way from the master bedroom. That's true. Well, if people want to check out more, they can go to 790-35th-avid.com or, of course, visit us at brownsf.com for more information. In this episode of Real Advice, we're going to tackle the tough issue of buying versus renting. Oh, that is a tough one. You know, the more people you ask that question, the more answers you'll get. And they're likely not all to match, but we'll give it a try. See if we can at least inform our listeners. What's our first question? The first one is, is it better to buy or rent? Whether it's better to buy or rent really depends on your circumstances and the length of time that you plan to stay in that place. A lot of times, uh, being a renter is going to give you a lot of flexibility, including the ability to move. If you have a year lease, you're free to move after that time. Sometimes you can even rent on a month-to-month -month basis. If you're looking to stay for a longer period of time, owning can certainly add some extra benefits, including stability. If you decide you want to stay longer, you're not at the mercy of the landlord. 
Also, you've got the freedom to renovate. You can really make the place your own. If you want to upgrade the kitchen, you can do that. It's going to be a little tougher in a rental. You get pride of ownership and you get growing home equity in in your home, which you can later borrow against. So some really good pluses, but these are all going to be a longer term thing on the owning side versus the shorter term flexibility of renting. So all depends on the client and what he needs now and what he wants now. Um, we have another question. Can you save money renting or is it a misconception? That's really going to depend on your market and your needs. A lot of times if you're renting, you may not be looking for as much of a home as if you're purchasing and you're thinking about the future. For example, down the road, I might need more bedrooms, a bigger family. So I want to buy a bigger house. If I'm renting and it's only going to be for a couple of years, I may be able to get away with a one or two bedroom. So you could save some money there. Additionally, as a tenant, you're generally not responsible for a lot of the repairs around the house. And some of these can be little things. Some of those can be big things. If you need to suddenly replace a roof, that could really eat into your savings. So having a known fixed cost through the length of your lease could really go a long way to allowing you to put some money aside and really budget. While you do have the longer term financial predictability of a mortgage payment, if it's locked in for seven or even 30 years with a home, you still have to be aware of the additional costs that may be associated with it, such as those capital improvements. Is renting or buying a better investment? There's been a lot of studies over the years. People look at how much it costs to rent, how much it costs to buy, the cost to maintain that home, the taxes you're paying, etc. There's probably not one answer to that, but there are a few things that can really help you. For example, looking at a home, typically over time, it's going to appreciate in value. We talked about some of that growth in home equity. That could be due to your mortgage payments and principal pay down that could also be to market appreciation. In order to consider renting a good investment, you need to take whatever money you might be saving and invest that, whether it be in the stock market or other investment vehicles. If you just go and spend that money on fancy dinners, Benihana. <laughs> it will not end up being a great investment. Thanks for all those information, Rob. I hope we answer your question. And if you have more questions, you know where to send them at podcast at reonlocation.com. All right. Thanks, Melody. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. And that's a wrap for us today. I hope that you enjoy the podcast. You can subscribe. You can go to our YouTube channel. You can go to Twitter and Instagram. And please send us your question at podcast at reonlocation.com. Thanks, Melody. Thank you, Rob. Have a great day.